0: Welcome back to the Sports Booth podcast you're doing by myself, Luke, and my co-host, Husey. Husey, how are you?
1: Look, I personally am good. My teams and my pick this week, <laughs> not so good. So, just, yeah. It was a buy a, round. It was a buy a, round. doesn't make yeah, sense in and the buy and round. The, Just, yeah, the international rugby this round, I think we can call this, the amount of injuries that both of our teams have befell us during the games, especially the Wallabies. We've got to come yeah. up with a nickname for this, like "Bloody Saturday" or something like that, because it was rough.
0: <laughs> for you guys, it was it was tough. It was definitely tough. Uh, you could see the boys dropping like flies in the end. It was a, a bit unfortunate, yep. I guess, uh, especially heading into the decider to be. So many men down now, it's it's a tough ask for your wallabies. But yes, as you know, those who have listened before, we talk about Rugby Rugby League and a bit of American sports, and the hot topic at the moment is obviously international rugby, uh, and, and what we just saw which was the second week of the mid-year tests and then in league a bit of origin chat as well, a bit of chat about the buy round and a bit of other things in the world of rugby league, Letter of the rugby league this week after what happened as a buy round nothing really mm. counts. Uh, yep. But let's get into it alright so obviously a big week in international rugby, the the as I said in the video, and if you haven't watched, I do a roundup of all of uh, the week's play in a video, probably below this one. Um, so watch that if you want to get the the breakdown of each game. But for the big games, realistically, it was an Uno reverse type card. For the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere teams uh, Minus the French And even the French try to pull out their own uh, Uno reverse card to to throw away A game against Japan But yeah it was 4-0 in the big matches um, With Ireland Wales, Scotland and England All getting results over their Southern Hemisphere counterparts That includes a First time ever Irish win on New Zealand soil And a first time ever Welsh win on South African soil and so a 10-game
1: <laughs> winning streak broken at Suncourt for the Wallabies. The first time they have lost this since 2016.
0: Since 2016. So, yeah, again, six years dating back, 117 years dating back. I don't know the spring box and the Welsh time frame, but a lot of years dating back as well. And even yeah. the Scots mani- managing to turn over the Pumas in Argentina. It's, it's led me to a couple of thoughts, a couple of questions. And the first question I'm going to ask you, Husey, is are we – at the closest, or you know, the most hyped situation in world rugby ever, and, and I say ever with a with a with a grain of salt. Obviously, I can't remember back to yeah. you know early nineteen hundreds that what rugby was like and how yeah, close it was. Yeah, in recent back then. memory at
1: least, professional in era. In recent memory, yeah. Look, well, I think the what was it? The two thousand and seven World Cup. I think things were relatively close in that one. I don't remember it too well because I was 15. Um, (laughs) But I feel like that one was a pretty uh, up-in-the-air one that anyone could kind of take it kind of thing. But yeah, definitely in recent memory. In the last 20 years. No, not last 20 years. Last 10 years, sorry. I think definitely. um, since Since the 2011 World Cup, I think so. uh, The Wallabies, what I really liked from that game... Was and it's something the Wallabies are missing for a while is the never say die attitude, where all the adversity that they faced from the first test losing players, losing people pre-game and um, in training and things like that, or in minor injuries from the last game that kept them out of this one, uh, to um, you know losing players in this game, refereeing calls just miserably going against them for. Ridiculous things, uh, but they stayed in it and they they came really really close. Um, you know, Ireland getting their first victory on New Zealand soil ever is pretty crazy. A week after New Zealand flat out trounced them, yep. you know, put on a spectacular show of attacking rugby against them. Uh, the Welsh, look, last week we thought, oh, maybe it's a little bit of a flick. The, se- the Springwalk didn't play that well. They only won by three points. Streamrock should come back and, and wipe the floor with them when they get their shit together. Now the Welsh take a win there. Uh, and then, yeah, the the Scottish going to perhaps the most hostile environment <laughs> to a Scottish person you can get uh, and, and and winning. Like, they're not designed for that, man. If you nope. seen Scottish people pale and right here in and stuff like that? One ounce of sun they're back. back and I say this as someone with Scottish heritage myself. So, um, yeah, yeah and they, they go over there and win. And all four southern hemisphere teams winning one week all four northern hemisphere teams winning the next week crazy crazy and it gets me excited for the World Cup next year
0: yeah and that's and that's what I'm I, I think what I'm trying to say here and especially with this question is yeah at World Cup time it is it is a bit of anyone's game you know what I mean like in those moments as much as New Zealand uh, are, are held a, a top it, we saw in the 2019 World Cup England England do them we saw South Africa then do England. In World Cup moments, well, you know, there are games where it can be decided. But what I'm trying to say, I guess, with the closest is now in these tours we're seeing, it, it used to just be, you know, home team would kind of dominate. Then we'd do our Northern tour and we'd go over there and beat them all, and maybe lose one game uh, here and there, mm. especially for the All Blacks. And even even the Wallabies, you know, late 2000s, early 2000s were, were still very similar, those series that you had teams come over, you'd knock them over. And in South Africa, yeah. very much the same. So now we've kind of looked at it and we've had, you know, it's unfortunate that France has kind of got the the series against Japan at the moment because now they're the number one ranked team in the world. Ireland fall into two, South Africa, New Zealand three and four. And then you've got, got the drop off of England and Australia just in the points section. But those top four teams, you can't tell me on their day, you know, England can't beat France, or Australia can't beat yep. France, or New Zealand. You know, can't lose to England. Uh, they won't lose to the Wallabies in Eden Park. But other than that, they, they may may drop a game to the to the Wallabies every once every blue moon. So it just it's just fascinating at the moment. And then even on top of that, I mean, I, I love. We just saw. And I don't know if you saw Georgia beat Italy as well in in world rugby. And so, like, you know, that's yep. another one. That's a Six Nation team. First ever time they're doing that. The way the Pacific Cup nations is going on, although. Australia A beat Fiji which was a, a I guess a, a massive performance from more Australia A than Fiji having a bad game it was the way Australia A played but again it's just, just seeing all this rugby it's fantastic and it's it's really is like you said getting you exciting for a World Cup where it is just about anyone's game now Talking about injuries, talking about Australia A, eh? it is the depths of Australia are now being tested, as we lost. Yep. You had already lost a few stars in in the first test. You now lose Izzy Parisi, You lose Jordan Petyar in the first few minutes. Scott Seo, Caden Nemville, was that it? I think that was it. I think that was the toll. Uh,
1: well, yeah, during that was from the, game, the second game, I believe. Yeah, it was during the game. But you know, pre that game, you know, Callaway uh had had come up with with an injury uh ikitao had an injury darcy swain obviously uh suspended alan alatoa uh with the head knock and things like that as well angus bell played 78 minutes <laughs> in game two like insane yep. i gotta say that angus bell and uh antenna tupo look fit like yep. they look like they've been on cardio <laughs> like or something like angus bell looked like just a Beast, and he played like it as well. I um, mean, he was your your player of the uh, of that match. Of that the first match, believe, yeah, so. first match, yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean, um, now looking into it's it, it's just yeah, it's it, tough, isn't it?
1: But looking at the depth, I think the where depth will really get challenged is the second row, right? Because Darcy Spain, I think he's suspended again for this week. Yep. I think he got two weeks. suspension. Yeah. Yep. Um, Kate and Neville out. I would assume with that knee. I yep. would I would assume with how he got hit to it. Matt Phillip, though, and I messaged this to you during the game. He had the game of his life. I've never seen Matt Phillip play that well. That is That must be the Matt Phillip they see in training uh, because he was stealing balls out of lineups. He was taking great hit-ups, uh, didn't cause any turnovers or anything like that. Like He played really, really well. I was really impressed by Matt Phillip. Uh, Nick Frost came in. He didn't necessarily do anything wrong. I just didn't think he had that much of a game to really do anything, but I imagine he'll be thrust into the starting lineup. So, yeah. Second row is probably where we're going to see the depth most challenged from uh, the Wallabies, right? Because we've got viable replacements in the front row. I think backup hooker is still (laughs) a struggle for us. Falau Fainga came on in his first throw, was not straight, and he's notoriously like that. Parecki, I think, has elevated the standard um, for Australian hooker because he's played he's played lights out um, and they should keep him on for as long as he can he can go for basically um, but yeah I think that's where the depth is most going to be tested I think the backs we're fine we've got the depth uh, you know as much as it pains me to see Pre get Parise knocked out like that because he's going to lose a chunk of next season uh, with what looks to be like an ACL type injury which is horrible but we've got the depth there. Uh, in the centers, you know, we've got um, Karevi and uh, Paisami, they're doing their thing, uh, you know, we've lost Tom Banks, sure, Tom Wright had a great game at wing, Korobedi, the other wing, great, if uh, if Wright needs to go back to fullback, because Pata can't go this week, you've got Suliasi Vunivalu to come in there uh, on the wing as well, so I think the backs are fine, it's what I'm, where I'm worried about is second row lock, yep. really. So, yeah, we saw. And backup hooker as well, but, you know, that's always a concern.
0: That's, yeah, that's more of a play style concern rather than injury. So, Lucan, Salakai, uh, Lotu got called into the squad as well with Marky Mark, which is uh, another. uh, I guess it's good to have him in there. I was surprised after the Australian game that uh, Filippo Daguni didn't just go straight in there because he was unreal in that game. Um, But, yeah, I guess. You'll, like you've just said, I think you're you're pretty sorted. Do overgo go? If, well, I'm assuming Pattaya will be out the way he looked. Uh, so I say yeah. I assume we've gone um, right at the back, and then like you said, where he looked pretty good as well. Again, I it, will say Tom Wright had a, had a good game. He 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 is starting to show kind of what. Australian rugby brought him over from League 4 and have kind of committed to. And that's what we said, like, he played well in that season that he probably deserved a spot and then only missed out, I think, due to the fact that Australian rugby knew what Callaway was doing and building there, and you saw in that first game. And I think you still, if you if you have the decision, you go Callaway over Wright. But the way Wright played, he definitely earned a, a spot, and he he, yeah. he, he's, he gives you an option at fullback and everything like that. Because I don't think James O'Connor was the answer. It'll be interesting to it'll be very interesting to see what kind of squad uh, uh, Rennie selects heading into the decided yeah. though. And I think that'll that'll make up a, a lot of how the game's going to go. I think, uh, and and like you said, like I don't think you've got a problem with your backs. It wasn't your back. That got beaten on the weekend, it was the Fords. And I think the English set the tone early uh, with the old Alice Gens running over Michael Hooper, which you don't see very often. Um, But again, it's the same for the All Blacks issue. I think the All Blacks can sit there and go, they were beaten in the Fords rather than backs as much yeah. um I think it's it, actually I, uh, I say that and I disagree slightly I think they were beating around the forwards and then re- beating around the pivot uh with yeah. Boden Barrett outplayed by And I think that's the first time I've watched a game with Boden Barrett in, in a, and gone the first five and the other team has played better than Boden Barrett now obviously Sexton was good down yeah. a man everything else like that forwards weren't performing as as well as they can I think Losing Sam White Lock and missing him again uh, caused some issues, but still, uh, as as we all, uh, all Blacks fans believe, we expect domination. We expect wins. Uh, when it doesn't come, there is a lot of angry people. So, yeah, let's move on to the last question I can have, and I want to start with I'll start with the Australia England game because I think that was the most controversial. Not controversial in the way that it affected the game. But just the rule itself is the most controversial. Then we can yeah. jump onto the All Blacks uh, versus Ireland kind of card situation and, and rules. So the rules, the rules, are rules. So it is. It's hard to justify some of these rules coming into rugby. And I'm again, I'm a purist of rugby. I know you're a pretty purist of rugby. We will watch it no matter what. Uh, but the reason that Izzy Parisi and Marcus Smith got sent simbin for is just absolutely pedantic. Absolutely pedantic. Ridiculous.
1: I think as well the terminology is a clear and deliberate knock-on, right? And so that's the reason Johnny Hill didn't get a didn't get a card or even a penalty which, for that
0: matter.
1: Yeah, which is which I don't have any problem with that language. I think that language is fine. I think they're absolutely fucking not doing that. Just. You look at Izzy Parisi's one, it's definitely not a clear and deliberate knock-on. He didn't go into that. You couldn't tell me he's gone into that looking to knock that on. And even Marcus Smith, terrible haircut that he has. <laughs> you couldn't tell me he's gone into that trying to to deliberately knock that ball on. And Johnny Hill's one, I think that was a perfectly good application of the rule. He didn't deliberately try and knock it on. He was clearly going for an intercept. And that's fine. That, it's, it's a knock-on. That's all it should be. That's the same with Parisi. It's the same with Smith. They both went in there, stuck their hand out for the ball. I think sticking your hand out for the ball for an intercept is fine. If you could see that there's a clear intent to just knock it down, yeah, I think that's got to be part of it. It's got to be knocking it down or some kind of motion with the hand that is clearly batting the ball. Yep. rather than the hand. You can clearly tell when someone's reaching for something rather than trying to bat it away. And I and they, they, they said it. In the commentary on the night, common sense has gone out of the window. Yep. Right? There's no application of common sense in these laws. Um, so I don't have an issue with the rule itself. It's the interpretation of that rule that is just clearly being mishandled. Yeah, and uh, that's so, I think that's and, a big and that's thing. That's a knockdown.
0: That's the big thing from what I saw as well. And and the interpretation now, and and even you can see where they're discussing it. And it's this has happened, been riffed like this throughout this year. Is the one hand has all of a sudden become a thing. Like if you only stick one hand out there, if he sucked two out there as he Parisi, it wouldn't have been a probably it probably would have still been a penalty. They still probably would have penalised him. But having got not think it would have been the yellow card. It's all of a sudden like the oh no you've got to stick out two hands and it's like he can't catch that ball, he's sticking out two hands. Like he's only yeah. going to be able to catch that ball if he sticks out one hand. Same with um Marcus Smith. And you saw it actually in the All Blacks game, Bowden Barrett did the exact same thing Marcus Smith does and catches the ball. One hand, bang, gets yeah. a second hand to it afterwards. And I just go, like, these guys are athletes. They're they're the best in the world at what they're doing. Chances are, like, I'm going to say one out of two times Izzy Parisi catches that ball or gets close enough to even make an attempt to catch it, you know what I mean, if he tips it up or something like that. So to say, oh, yeah, because he stuck out one hand, I'm just like, no, that's that's not what we're – like you said, there's no motion there, there's no knockdown. Like, what are we actually riffing here? And it's just the fact that he got yellow-carded, and it's like after he got yellow-carded, you had to yellow-card Marcus Smith, and it's just like – it's just a joke, man. It just kind of ruins the spectacle yeah. of the game and it makes it harder to, to watch and harder to, to believe in, I guess.
1: Overall, I think the first game between Australia and England, and I know people say, oh, this is Australian bias, but overall, I think the first game was ref better than the second game. There were a lot of ticky-tacky calls and there were, it was not consistent, for from, from my mind, in terms of the amount that Australia was called offside compared to England was called offside, I think was pretty pretty bad. I Overall, I was not a fan of the... The refereeing in that in that game,
0: I didn't I didn't mind,
1: which, is, which sucks. Cause yeah,
0: it takes away sucks. it takes away from the game, and I didn't mind the refereeing. What I had an issue was with the, with the TMO, and it's not again take it out of the it's a female or anything like that. It was more the I don't like hearing the TMO. I think that like we there should be no communication going out to TV to fans anywhere for the TMO. Just stick that between the TMO yeah. and the referee. There shouldn't Under be. Ref. Yep. all I want to hear is the referee talking and if he asks him a question, I don't want to hear the response because that, that ruined this the spectacle of it as well from my T V screen, just constantly hearing her coming in and, and, and it's great, like that's what a TMO should probably be doing. I don't want to hear it. Like, yeah, okay, just yeah. I'm just I just want to think I want the illusion that the ref is just ref in the game, where he's obviously definitely gonna be getting help from his TMO. And I want I think what I want from rugby is I want rather than a TMO intervening, I want the ref to ask the question. Now, of course, there's going to miss it in any foul play or anything like a red card situation. I think a, a TMO has to step in. But for some pedantic things, let's say Nick White's
1: like
0: 50-22, which watching on replay, it was, he did get tackled back, so he did, Angus Bell did make it out, like watching the, the, the full replay of it, but... Just make the call and play. Like, this is what we want. We want ball and play situation. Just make the call. Ref goes with it. We don't need to break that down for hmm. 30 seconds. Have he made the right call? Have he made the wrong call? And then again, the, the, the second thing happened with with uh, the Irish in, in the All Blacks game. Before we fully move on to that, after we scored a try and we were coming back, I think it was 12-23 at the time or 12-20, just the Irish walked back to, to halfway. Now, no problem with that because every team would do that. But I want... The the goal should be the ball and play as much as as much as it can. So call time off. Like any time we've got yep. someone trying to deliberately slow down the play, call time off. Like like that's yeah. just, just just my belief. And it happened
1: in the Australian game as well. The English well. are definitely slowing down time. Yeah.
0: And, and it happened, even in Australia A, I've watched the end of that game against Fiji and we had two scrum resets right at the end of the game where it was just, yep, this, let's let this clock wind down. And it's like, that's, mm. I, know, I get it. It's tactical. And again, every team can do it when you get a lead, but it shouldn't be the way. Like, we want ball and play. We want ball and play. That's all yeah. we want. So I think that was that was the big one there. Then when we look to the New Zealand versus the Ireland game. Now, have you seen all the cards from that game?
1: Uh, I've seen... I don't think I saw all of them. I've seen. I saw the red card. Saw
0: the red card. Okay. And I, let's...
1: Saw, the, and I saw one of the yellows.
0: <laughs> let's start with the red card. So the red card is an obvious red card with the rules the way they are at the moment. Like yeah. as much as an all Blacks fan, I can argue with the point of the rules. And again, I think every team in the world would probably be a little bit disappointed with the fact that it is a red card. But a head collision, yeah. a player safety is, is paramount. I don't know what you do in that situation to stop. The head collision, like other than tackling yeah. low and it's a prop versus a center. So I'm like again, it's a red card. Every day of the week, that's been a red card for the past year. We live with that. This is the way rugby's going. That's that's fine. The yellow card with Les Fangananuku was a charge down and he's mm. come down from the charge down braced and then connected with Mac Hansen's chest first and then up to to the head. And I have a little bit of an issue just purely with this because I think this needs to be taken out of a grey area as well because it is a bit of a grey area. When a player jumps for a charge down, the situation, whose responsibility is it? Because he can't move. So are we saying, A, he can't jump anymore? Uh, Are we saying, because as far as I'm concerned, normally rugby, it's whoever's in the air you have to look after. Now, obviously, he's jumped on purpose, but if you jump to kick a ball, you've kind of got no control. So the idea is there. Now, Matt Hanson can't suddenly Vanish out of Leicester Park way when he's getting collided, but but it was it was one, and I don't know if you saw the Caleb Clark one during throughout the year on Minor Pacifica, where as soon as they leave the air, it's that's it, like the the collision's going to happen. It's a, probably a part mm. of sport, and the, at the time, the way he braced in in rugby, it deserves a yellow card. Now that I've gone back and watched it a few more times, but the fact that he had just left his hands up, I would have been interested to see what the result of that would have been. Because all he's doing is going for a charge down. Like if you run on the ground yeah. and try and charge down and you make connection with someone's head, I don't think it's going to be all of a sudden a yellow card. So that was that one. Uh And then lastly was the the early tackle, which I think now going back and watch a couple of times, it was it was a yellow yeah. card offence. If it was a yellow card offence, it should have been a penalty try offence as well, I believe. Because mm. there was no one covered I, there.
1: I, I thought there was a player coming over. Geordie Barrett
0: was there, but it. And this is a good question, I guess. The fact that you're stating this is not my New Zealand All Black lenses, but yeah. it's hard. It becomes it comes a, a deception point or a you know an opinionated point. Oh, it's Geordie Barrett. Would he get there? Or if that was a prop, would he get there? Like, where do we draw the line in that one? I guess.
1: Well, yeah, I, th- I think. I think less looking at the player, more looking at the number, right? Because there is a difference between someone that plays at fifteen, someone that plays at one, right? And so the referee can look at that and consider, like, is it certain that this? And remember, we looked at the we looked at the laws earlier this year. So <laughs> you know, is it we is it uh, the the laws were? you know, would it be? probable remember we discovered it wasn't certain it was probable. It was probable. Uh, and i'm gonna double i'm gonna fact check myself on that uh because <laughs> i want to make sure that i'm completely right here uh i've already got it uh saved here in my, <laughs> in my quick search bar because it's come back up because we we looked at it earlier this year because this is a this is a uh um uh you know obviously a um a big point in world world rugby right so let me find so a penalty try is awarded between the goalposts if foul play by the opposing team prevents a probable try from being scored or scored in a more advantageous position so that's the key word there is probable right so is it probable that the irish player would have scored with geordie barrett that close and i think the referees have made the decision of it's not probable it is possible and it might have been on the higher end of possible, yep. it might have been more than likely, but not necessarily probable. Uh, now, if it had been a prop in that position, they could say, okay, well, he probably would have scored because that's a prop there. So I don't know. So I think, I don't know how the referees rule it. I don't yep. know how the referee rule it. Was, it was like, oh, it's Geordie Barrett rather than any other 15 in the world. Yep. I, I, I would think though the way it should be done, in my mind, is look at the player that's there in terms of their position um, to use a Mike Tomlin face uh, phrase, nameless grey faces, right? Yep. You just look at the position that they're playing, and you can, you can make that judgment. I think that's fair to do because, and this is a point my uh, my dad was making while we were watching the game. We were looking at some of these front rowers compared to some of the wingers and halfbacks, and it's, this is a game for all body shapes and sizes, right? <laughs> Rugby is accommodating to different shapes and sizes. You know, obviously there's a, a level of fitness and skill required, but you know if you've got a cert, any different type of body type basically you can play rugby and but that then comes with its advantages and disadvantages and those need to be taken into account in these situations just because you have a player in the area this isn't league where every player is roughly the same shape right with a couple of exceptions like um blocker Laurie, right who is old school (laughs) player love him uh with a few exceptions the body shapes are roughly roughly the same uh in rugby it's different and so i do think that needs to be taken into account I think the referees did make the right call in this instance, even though, you know, as you said, I'm not an All Blacks fan by any means. I don't have any particular allegiance to Ireland or New Zealand, right? Pretty, pretty neutral there. Although it is always good to see New Zealand lose, <laughs> even still, because no, seriously, it is because it gives us as Australians yeah, hope counts. that yeah. shit we might be able to beat them, you know. So, yeah, I think that was actually correctly called because, yeah, just because it was that close to the line, just because he was tackled early, I don't think you could say he probably would have scored. Yeah,
0: fair enough, fair enough. Did you see old Peter Armani's, uh little jab to uh, Sam Kane? Apparently, no. again, I don't know, I, I only saw a video and uh, apparently they, they get into a bit of a scuffle and he goes... <laughs> Who do you think you are Richie McCaw You know Richie McCaw And I was like Oh yeah. that would have That would have hit the heart When you're down 23-12 About to lose the game To Ireland On the first time In New Zealand soil To take that one <laughs> I was like Oh
1: gosh Yeah actually I did. I did see that I yeah. did see that Actually it's just come up to yeah, it's just come up to my – it's just come up on my – it had come up on my feet earlier. I was like, oh, yeah, Richard McCaw thing. Yeah, yep. I've got it now. I had to get the back yep. up. Yeah.
0: I was like, this is why I – and I said it earlier in the year. I don't know what podcast it was we were discussing it. And I said, I have to hate the Irish now because they're starting yeah. to become too good. And now, now – yeah,
1: Who do you think you are? You're a shit Richie McCaw. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, Lordy. Imagine hearing that and just yeah. being like, uh oh, like, oh. So, yeah, I mean – that's what I said. I, I, I dislike the Irish now. Like I, the Irish are just about coming on on level with the English for me in in, in rugby too, yeah. because uh, the way the way they're performing. And uh, and someone someone mentioned in my YouTube video and the other one of of there that that we're rattled. And I said, yes, we're rattled. It's 117 years since this has happened. Of course, we're going to be rattled. Yeah. Like, like like I'm going to sit there and complain about every situation possible and say you know it's this fault and that fault, other than trying to blame yeah. myself. Um, but yeah. All right, that's, that's the footy, international footy. We've got four deciders next week, so I feel like yeah. next week we may have two separate podcasts just about because league's going to have its own rugby league situation with the uh, Origin finishing up and uh, a big round of rugby league to come as we move into mm-hmm. getting closer to final series and then the deciders here. But talking about rugby league, there are a few points I want to mention and we're going to start with the Origin situation. Obviously, Cam yep. Munster, Maritualangi out, gone. Covid has struck them down at the worst time yep. of the year. So, should we give you guys a shield now, or because <laughs> as I remember, well, here's yeah, <laughs> the thing: it's just still we're still playing in
1: Brisbane. Oh yeah, right. it's we, still play, in <laughs> we played in Sunco. This is not Cleans- a gimme by any situation.
0: <laughs> we played in Queensland three times last year, and, and luckily got one win. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am, mean, I'm, I'm hurt. I. I am gutted, I feel like that's probably the term, because look, mm. as as much as I as will still back Queensland to win and put a lot of money on them to win and lose probably a lot of money. Uh yeah. Munster was our one our one true hero and we saw it in game one. He led us to a charge. It will it will take what I would think is actually it would take more than that series win when we had the worst team in in the history of State of Origin. It would take more with when we've got Tom Dearden uh, as our starting six, what it yeah. looks like, and Corey Oates on a wing. It'll it'll take more passion, it'll take more power to get a win than than that. Because I look across this and 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 the the quality. Like I was sitting here having a laugh about Jordan McLean being potentially in the side. Now it's Jacob Safiti. It doesn't really matter when you've got your your best player out. I would say, and that's that is our best player in Cam Munster. Now to say, like you said, it is still a series. It is still. a... They're still in Suncorp. There are all these things. Now, someone did mention that we should go into the bubble to protect these players for, for coming up to in um, the finals time, and I go that's a, a shit yarn because, if anything, this is as bad as it is. You don't want players out of the biggest games this year. This has been a storyline. Like, this is just thrust in our own to the news, and I don't yeah. want to say, again, like... All the best for Cam uh, uh, Munster and, and Murray to alungi But this has been just about good for NRL, for storylines, the perspective. If, if they get a close game, even if Queensland do go on to lose, if it's close coming up to the last 10, 5 minutes, it's a win in the NRL book. It's a win in Rugby League's book just for the headlines they've been able to pu- push out this this week. And the storylines of this, you know, dead and leads them somehow to victory, scores a match-winning trial, like everything that'll come from that. All of that stuff, I think, is big for the NRL.
1: I think no matter what the result or how the result goes, whether it's a New South Wales blowout win A New South Wales close win A Queensland close win Or a Queensland blowout win All of those are going to have massive headlines Yeah Right New South Wales Win at a blowout s- score Right It's going to be like Oh of course New South Wales Blew out uh, Queensland Because they didn't have Cam Monster there How valuable is Cam Monster now Cam Munster should get a million dollars a year From the, the Storm of the Storm don't want to pay him He should go to the Dolphins For 1.2 million dollars a year Right yeah. New South Wales win A close game um, Fake origin win Asterix forever on this state of origin title. Not really an origin title because Cam Monster wasn't there. Doesn't count. Queenslanders will never let go of that because, you know, why would you, right? You always have it and it'll always irritate New South Wales people. Um, But New South Wales people will also also be like, fuck you, we got the, it's our names are the trophy, so go fuck yourselves. Uh, Queensland close win, right? Heroic efforts from a ragtag bunch of Queenslanders showing the Queensland spirit of. Uh, adversity under pressure. Something about the Anzacs in there as well, because of course they'll weave the Anzacs in there. (laughs) Uh, Everyone cracks a Bundy rum and have a good time. Queensland blowout win, it'll just be like... Brad Fittler needs to go. New South Wales, fraud. The power of Suncorp Stadium. The myth, the legend of Brisbane and Queensland rugby grows. Billy Slater, genius coach. Um, you know, where does he go from here? Does he go for a, a club team after masterminding uh, the biggest trap origin game since Wayne Bennett? You know, things like that. Like, no matter what it is. Also... Hi me, by the way. Me, I'm here. You know, I'll write your headlines for you. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I could fit right in at Fox League. <laughs> uh, I'll get you on the NRL
0: 360, DX bud. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Kenty, hit me up. A um, Braith, A Braith, he runs that now. I need to in go. with Braith and Asta. So, <laughs> um, but we, but Kenty's the power broker. Uh, <laughs> he, he's 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 got all the contacts and everything like that. Uh, look it's game three of origin it's a decider it's in Queensland all this has done is added more drama yeah is added more storylines to it right and as I said no matter the result there's going to be massive headlines for it because one its origin and two cam Bunster is out so the NRL I wouldn't be surprised if Peter Vallandis had like a like a Balloon full of COVID infected air and was like pumping it under Cam Munster's door just to create more headlines and things like that, <laughs> just to get the like, headlines out. Yeah, <laughs> just to add more drama. He's literally adding spiciness with the spicy cough. So yes, he I think is. I think it is. I think as much as it's a, a potential loss for Queensland, um, I mean it's a definite loss for Queensland. The quality of their side, because as good as Tom Deer didn't play has played this year, Cameron Munster is one of a kind. Yeah, uh, he is a completely unique player in the NRL. Uh, so as much of a loss as it is for Queensland, it is a big, big win for the NRL. A
0: hundred percent. Totally agree. Uh, On to that, let's talk about a Queensland boy who's got himself in a bit of a situation now, not to his own... We're
1: going to have to be more specific than that, <laughs> because there's quite a few Queensland boys that have got themselves in quite a number of situations.
0: Well, let's talk about Reese Walsh. There you go. Uh, yeah, a young, okay, go. young Queensland frobber who, uh, yeah, relationship has ended and... Yeah. Is staying in Brisbane to look or Queensland to look after his or be with his daughter. Basically, that's the story that's come out. So, left the Warriors. Said he was going to come back for 2023, no matter what. Obviously, this changed in the past couple months. Left the Warriors now, and the Warriors let him go. Now, I've got no yeah. problem with this. Like as everyone's saying, we can't be like. I was never that angry at you and Aitken. I was never that angry, even at Matt Lodge. I think Matt Lodge, you know as bad as the situation was, there was obviously some fucked up shit with the Warriors handling as well. And then even like this, my issue comes with compensation. Now, the thing is, Reese Walsh is a mighty fine rugby rugby league player and is going to become a pretty damn good rugby league player, I truly believe. Now, the Warriors took him off the Brisbane Broncos. They did that and gave him a shot. They gave him a shot, they signed him to the contract. Now, in this situation they're getting absolutely no reward for the games that Walsh has played here, for, for the Warriors or anything like that, to send him to pretty much the Broncos, and all they did was really stop him to go the, from going to the Dolphins by somehow putting out something to say that he wasn't allowed yeah, to go dodgy. there. Dodgy deal, whatever it is, something's happened there as well. I go, in the end, the Warriors are the biggest loser here. Now, they're, they're the good guys for letting him go, but I think they are the biggest loser because... They've lost a, a generational talent, I think, will be, like, not a one in a kind generational talent, but up there who could potentially be one of the, the better players in the NRL. And they've given them a shot, bang, gone, done. Now, I don't know how it works here, but I would love, again, this would be the perfect situation for a trade situation, and this is why yep. I think Rugby League needs to introduce trades, and this is where I'm going with this. Because the Warriors would have been more than happy to say, yep, we will find you a correct destination do this trade bank now. Obviously, there's not draft picks. There's there's not anything like that, that they could trade away or anything like that, which I think would be good. And I think that would be where we should introduce it. Introduce drafting because this is what would happen. But I think there could be a, another way around this. And I kind of had a thought, and I go salary cap flexibility. Now I would love for them to the the NRL to be able to value players, and if they valued Reece Walsh, let's say at 400k, and then he was now let go to the Broncos, and on 300K, the Warriors can go, okay, for the next year you get an extra 100K in your salary cap to be able to put to, to a better squad, to a better players here and there. Now, again, I don't know all the, the accounting situation. I don't know all the mm. bits and pieces. But, again, this is just it just feels wrong that the Warriors have been without this. And it feels like, and I said this to, to uh, someone who I was talking about, if the New Zealand Warriors were based out of New Zealand – At the time that he became a free agent, he would not have signed with the New Zealand Warriors. The only reason he signed with the New Zealand Warriors was because they were in Australia to start with. So I go, this situation, the Warriors got nothing out of it, realistically. They got a great player for a few games who maybe sold a few more jerseys, but they didn't get much out of it. And it's not Reece Walsh's fault for it because he was going to come back next year, but I just think, in the end, not a good situation for the Warriors.
1: I have to only partially agree. Uh, and the reason is, is that what you said at the start there is the Warriors gave Reese Walsh a shot, right? Because when he came over from Brisbane, he didn't come over on massive money. right? He came over on potential. So what the Warriors have... There. so he's on. I think you said four hundred thousand dollars a year. Three hundred. Right? He's on three hundred
0: going to the Broncos.
1: Three hundred. Yeah. So that's pretty minor money for a, a really for a, a superstar. Yeah. Right. Uh, we send Kalen Ponga, another fullback who I think is the same class as Rich Walsh. You know, a really really great fullback, generational talent, but not unique, not one of a kind. Yeah. Not. Uh. I guess a player I would put up at level would be currently like a Cameron Munster, Nathan Cleary-type yeah. player, right? Uh, uh, James Tedesco, yeah. Tom Trevojevic, even Luttrell. Yeah. I think Luttrell, in the last couple of weeks, has sort of earned that title, uh, if he hadn't before, which I think he had. Uh, so that's where the Warriors benefit, is they, is they take a gamble, and while he's played for them, Walsh has looked really, really good. So they've had a really good player, on the cheap. You know, they've got, the Newcastle Knights are paying a million dollars a year or so to Kalen Ponga. They've got that, but for a third of the price. Yeah. Right? That's where they benefit from it. That's where they've benefited from giving this kid a shot. Now, you could say, oh, well, the Warriors haven't won that many games, they haven't been that successful. That's not Reese Walsh's fault. That's not necessarily the fault of his contract, right? That's the other players around there. But if you're in the right situation and you can bring in a player on the cheap and they can have a good uh, resurrection of their career, AKA Jack bird with the dragons that works out really, really nicely. The dragons, the first year they had Jack bird, the Broncos were playing paying at least 40% of his contract, maybe the majority of his contract, because yeah. he's on big money for the, for the Broncos. Right? So the dragons, the benefit they got there was they brought on a talented player with potential and they signed him for cheap. Now, if he lived up to the potential, they win, yeah. right? Because they get a good player on cheap value. And that's what they did. They got it. Jack Bird has lived up to it, and he's getting a pay rise as a result of that. So the Dragons are no longer benefiting from that situation, from another team, right? They are benefiting now from just having a good player. Yeah. The Warriors benefited from the Broncos by getting Reese Walsh cheap. They played him. He was a good player. They just couldn't make things work around him. It just wasn't the right situation. He's going back to the Broncos, and he'll obviously he'll get an... Uh, He's got a three-year deal with the Broncos, um, but if, if, you know it's not that big of an upgrade. But eventually, if he realizes his full potential, he'll be on a, a massive money deal. So the Broncos will end up having to foot the bill there, right? And so that's where I think it comes in. Now, I don't disagree with your idea. I do like the sound of that. I think the NRL needs more things like that. I think even player-for-player player trades is a, yep. is a good idea. Um, and outside of the top 30 as well. So we sort of see more like NBA Style trades. We have like some develop a bunch of developmental players traded for, um, you know, a decent a, a bunch of sort of developmental players and like a good player traded for like a superstar yeah. or something like that. You know, I think that could work. Even some, and then yeah, and then I think rather than like salary cap relief. It's trading the players with the provisor of we'll take on a portion of this contract for this player. Yeah. So rather than the salary caps themselves being extended, because as well you think they have got to extend the salary cap, that money's still going to come from somewhere. Yeah. Right. The clubs still have to shell out that money, right? And they they won't the NRL won't give them any extra money because you think if you think a hundred k per year to every team, right, that's another million dollars. Yeah. At uh, one point six million dollars. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way to do it. But I think with the provisor of We'll trade you this player. So the, the in this example, the Warriors trade um, Reese Walsh to the Broncos for another player. Say, Tessie New, yeah. who's currently playing fullback for them, right? So we trade them and say, okay, we'll take Tessie New, you take Reese Walsh. Um, Tessie New's contract is, I don't know, $300,000 a year. Reese Walsh's is $400,000 a year we want you to also pay $100,000 of Tessin Yu's contract because we think Reese Walsh is worth $500,000 a year. You yeah. guys are only paying him $400,000 and we can get Tessin you for a little bit cheaper. So I think something like that, which does partially exist already, but just not in a formalized trade system, I think that would probably work better in what the NRL culture has because I don't know necessarily... If drafting works in the NRL because of the development system, my my issue would have to be a massive change of the NRL.
0: Yeah, my issue with 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 two points you've re- uh, mentioned there in the Jack Bird scenario, the Dragons got to a point where they were able to offer the extension. The Warriors were never going to get to that point with Reese Walsh now because of what's happened in his family's life. Now, again, nothing wrong. Like again, you can't blame Reese Walsh for that. That's something that's outside. Yeah. But again. We, we never got to the point for the Warriors fans to go, oh, this kid is going to be a decent talent. We want to re-sign him. We can offer them this. Like, I've got no problem when players leave for more money because they've been offered more money. You take that money. But when a player has gone, actually, I'm not going to be happy there. I'm going to miss my kid too much. There, there, there's nothing there to justify that. Now, the situation comes where you go trade on trade. Tessie New goes, I don't want to play for... The Warriors. Now we had this in a similar situation when we traded Raymond Fertella Mariner to the Bulldogs for an exchange for Sean Lane, uh, and now Sean Lane the Parramatta Eel. So Sean Lane was actually a Warrior. So this actually happened in a situation where we let RFM mm-hmm. FM go to to go and play some footy uh, for the Bulldogs, and took Sean Lane back. Sean Lane's contract finished after that six months. He just Dipped it back to the Eels because he was never going to play into New Zealand. All he wanted was an opportunity. So, the Warriors have got two issues here, and this is I'm going to probably do a video on the Warriors and their issues because there are many of them. Hmm. But two issues here is players don't want to go to New Zealand to live, especially when there's so many teams in Australia. Like the opportunities there, and for the fact that the New Zealand Warriors had zero players in the. Um, Kiwi side is just shows that there is something seriously amiss going on at the Warriors at the moment mm. because we can't do that trading situation with Tessie New because chances are Tessie New doesn't want to live in New Zealand. As much as he may be getting his next shot, he knows he can go to, to the Dolphins or he could go to here. So that's why the draft system would slightly work, and I know, again, like we've said, the developmental system, it's half because, you know, a Panthers yeah. junior wants to play for the Panthers, he doesn't want to be drafted and stuff like that. So that would that would take a whole new thought process, but it's just, it's so hard for the Warriors at the moment to get yeah. something like that built. And
1: I, th- <coughs> I think you've touched on it there. The key issue here, I think, is not necessarily with the NRL system, or what it's really stemming from uh, is, the, is, is the Warriors and the whole... New Zealand setup. Um, <coughs> that all is creating an issue there, where yeah, people don't want to go to to live in New Zealand and, and play there. Uh, you know, it is just. I think that's more of the issue necess- uh, than uh, I guess the uh, than the draft system. I think it's it's the problem with the New Zealand Warriors because. If you flip that situation, let's say Reece Walsh went to the West Tigers instead of the New Zealand Warriors, yeah. right? And similar issues there, things just don't work out. And, uh, you know, he wants to move to, to, to Brisbane and they say, trade Tessie New for, um, Reece Walsh. The whole situation like I said before, but just replace the Warriors with the Tigers, right? Tessie, testing New goes to the Tigers. He's still in Australia. He's all right without say, I think. But equally there could also be the, the point there that oh I don't wanna live in New South Wales or my family is here in Queensland. I want to stay in Queensland. At the end of the day though, and this is gonna sound really harsh, and I and I but it is what it is. At the end of the day, this is the job that you're paid for. This is what you're paid more than most people are to to do. Right? If you're a professional athlete, you get a contract, you play where that contract tells you to play. Now I think Reese Walsh is very lucky. The Warriors and the Broncos have have agreed to this because this could, could have been really messy. And we see this in the NFL all the time. You know, you saw players like Juju Smith-Schuster, for example, grew up his entire life in California, and Najee Harris as well. Growing up on the beaches, the hot sunshine, they both went to fucking Pittsburgh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like snows and cold and not a beach in sight. There's a lake and a couple of rivers, right? Otherwise, there's mountains and cold and shit. They're professional athletes now. Get their pay scale is slightly different than an NRL players' pay scale, for sure. But at the end of the day, if you're a professional athlete. You're getting paid six figures to go and, and play somewhere. And if you're unhappy with that, I guess tough. Try and make it work. If you're not, well, unfortunately, tough tits. Like you're being paid an immense amount of money for because you have skills that few people. Uh, possess or have been able to get the shot at. You've just got to play where you're told to play. Um, and as I said, I think Reese Walsh is lucky that he had the situation that he has. Um, and you know, players will find a way to to get to where they want to go. You know, Valentine Holmes going to play in the NFL for a year, retire a year, and then unretire things like that. They, you know. There's, there's been ways that players have gotten around it other than this, but at the end of the day, you know, I think the trade system works. And if players are like, oh, I don't want to get traded there because I don't wanna to, wanna to play there, well, retire, right? Yeah. You're you're a professional. You signed a contract. That contract is between you and the and the club. You know, NFL's got things like no trade clauses with with their premier players yeah. now. You know, that's something that can be brought into the NRL if this trade thing becomes a thing. But at the end of the day, your contract binds you to that club. To do with, as they wish, basically in exchange for uh, you being paid a lot of money. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. With, that's it. At the end of the day,
0: agree with that point. At the end there, like as much as yeah, like Reese is lucky. I think the Warriors have done right by him because he's a young man as well, yeah. and and you know his head has has had his troubles in the past with uh, a couple of things. So I, I'm not again. I'm not angry at the Warriors. I'm not angry at Reese Walsh. I just feel like there should be some compensation for what they've done. Yeah. Like it's a for systematic being, issue. For being the nice – 100, that's a perfect way to put it because for being the nice guys, they finish last in this situation as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, there's that. Let's uh, move on to the NFL uh, quickly. Let's touch base on a couple of things within the NFL. Uh, Let's start with Bacon Mayfield and then we'll finish with a bit of a hilarious story flying around at the moment. But Bacon Mayfield traded from the Browns to the Panthers for a fifth-round pick. Thoughts from Mr. NFL himself?
1: The conditional fifth round pick for not even this year's upcoming draft, but for the twenty twenty four draft. Uh, the Panthers look. If we're going purely by where people were drafted, they've they're stacking their roster with former high draft picks at value prices, being Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and uh, a couple others as well. I can't remember right now, but they've uh, they've got uh so from the twenty eighteen draft, which I believe Baker's draft, number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, number three overall pick, Sam Darnold, That'll be an interesting training camp quarterback battle to watch. Um, They're putting some pieces together around that as well, which is good, but great value there for the Panthers. Baker Mayfield was never going to play for the Browns, and it looks like the Browns' starting quarterback this year is going to be Jacoby Brissett. So good luck with that, Browns fans. You, you know, the the look, quite frankly, the way that Browns fans act, you fucking deserve it. I could not be happier to see you all in misery with your quarterback potentially suspended for however long you know holding up on a a high horse over the the big ben historical situation and then standing behind deshaun watson i know not all of them are but your organization has done that and not only has have they are they standing by that player they actively traded your future away to get him and paid him guaranteed money and he might not even play for over 12 months Maybe longer. And it's so,
0: such an interesting story, isn't You know it? what? <laughs>
1: good, good luck for that. And Baker Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield, there's nothing personally wrong with Baker Mayfield as a person. I think he's a good dude for everything I've seen. Uh, I think he's a competitor. I think he speaks his mind a bit. And people, and when people say, oh, he, he's great. He speaks his mind. Like, usually they talk about someone that's being, like, politically incorrect or just, like, being rude. But no, I think Baker Mayfield just legitimately says what he's thinking and isn't like, you know, trying to score points with, you know, the people that like see it like it is crowd. Like he just, you know, he just actually just like says what's on his mind. I think he's a good dude. And I wish him the best in Carolina because, and he has got to be the happiest person in the world to get out of Cleveland. One other point I'm going to make on this is, uh, that, uh, uh, sorry, I got to get, get it from here. Uh, I got to get the brand name right. All right. The the people that are okay, here it is. The people that are the most upset about this. The most upset have got to be Progressive Insurance because they had their whole series of At Home with Baker Mayfield. It's just fucking out the window now. It's gone. Like that whole run of advertising is gone. Maybe they do a thing like Baker's moving and they do him moving to Carolina. That would be hilarious, but they've got they uh, they've probably shot some stuff in Cleveland that is no longer usable, right? All their current ads they were running with Baker and Cleveland no longer usable, right? So they've got to act fast, capitalize on the situation to a moving homes with Baker Mayfield. Oh, look, Progressive also offers moving insurance or some shit like that. Relocating <laughs> your house, your house, that's all right. You can change your policy with Progressive insurance. Look how fucking good I am. People, I have <laughs> ideas, man, right? So, look. They, they're they're spiraling right now but they can capitalize they can make this work the only people in this situation who are who are losing and have got no way to win from this situation is the Cleveland Browns organization and that's how it should be
0: yeah i I, I think baker is, is Fuck unfa- the Browns. <laughs> is unfairly treated sometimes definitely uh yeah. he, he had some moments in college football that probably weren't his best and he hasn't played great football but he's been Decent enough, and I feel like sometimes he does get unfairly treated for saying what he what he thinks, and, and like you said, not in a progressive manner. Um, who starts at quarterback for Carolina? You think Baker starts?
1: Good question. Very good question. <laughs> it's really such a 50-50, but I'm going to roll with Baker because they've just actively traded for him. I don't think right. that, you, that you trade for – Sure, it's a conditional fifth-round pick. Not even this year's draft, but the next year's draft. But I don't think you go out and trade for a player with such a name, like news value associated with him to watch them ride the bench. Interesting. So I think he starts.
0: And you reckon Sam Darnold ends up on another team, potentially?
1: No. I think Sam Darnold is the backup quarterback, and I think at the end of the year, he might... I think at the end of the year or during the middle of the season, if a team is quarterback needy, they might draft. We could even see a trade happen in preseason if someone's QB goes down, yeah. or their backup QB goes down, and they and um, the the Panthers they've got a really interesting strategy um, of of how they are acquiring players on the cheap and things like that. And I think building draft capital because I think because David Tepper, the owner, is a, an investment uh, banker venture capitalist, whatever you want to call it, he makes a shit ton of money. So he knows where to, he, he knows where to look for value and things like that. I just think their coaching stuff maybe isn't the best. Yeah. Uh, and I think that even though he's adding value, sometimes uh, you just have to spend big. Um, and I'm waiting to see him spend big at the quarterback position. We haven't seen that yet. And I think that's maybe when Carolina will start to come together under his leadership. So I think for sure next year, Sam Donald's on a different team if Baker yeah. has a starting job. Uh, this year, I think it depends more on other teams than on Carolina.
0: Interesting, yeah. I think they're both starting quarterbacks. Still, Uh, I just don't know where they start. So let's move on to another, another recent draft pick who's who's made some news, Zach Wilson. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: okay. So last week you, I described a sort of a situation to you, and you put together a video edit of it. Here's another challenge (laughs) because this story has come straight out of. Days of Our Lives, Bold and the Beautiful, Uh, any daytime drama you want to name, Hannah Montana. That level of drama (laughs) is associated with this, right? And the names in this in this story as well is just uh, incredible, right? So Zach Wilson, first of all, that's a soap opera name. You look at his face; that's a soap opera face. That's the face of a man with zero acting talent outside of his plastic surgeon, right? So, so his Girlfriend Abby Gile again another another soap opera name and you look at her that's a soap opera actress you you look at her soap opera she is now dating she's broken up they've split they split drama number one lauren orders down dun dun evidence piece number one they've broken up she is now dating Zach Wilson's ex-best friend and roommate get this name Dax Milne Dax (laughs) Milne right so already, like, this is, like, all the middle-aged mothers out there, just out there, like, sipping on their, like, 3pm wine, like, sweetie, what is you doing? Mm-mm-mm. And just, like, all of that business, it, in a <laughs> bubble bath, watching this on the TV go down, like, this is, this is fucking gravy right now, like, this is incredible. But now, the shocking plot twist, as if that wasn't bad enough. So first, you've got the breakup. Twist number one, she's dating his ex-best friend and roommate, Dax Milne. Twist number two, the twistiest of all twists this is a twist of Matt, this whole story. Zach, the reason beautiful, gorgeous soap opera star, Abby Giles has broken up with Zach Wilson and fallen into the arms of his former best friend. The chemistry was always there between them. Whenever she'd come into the dormitory, there was just something silent that passed between them, right? Like Mike Ross out of suits and, his, and Trevor's uh, girlfriend. They, they they knew all along that they should have been together, but she can't break up with the starting quarterback. They're going for a championship. The reason, though, the shocking plot twist for the reason that Abby has broken up with Zach. See how soap opera that sounds? It sounds so awful for me to say. Abby's broken up with Zach because guess what? Zach was <laughs> dating and sleeping with his mom's best friend. Like, ew! Like, that is what we're on here, people. And that is the story. Zach Wilson was banging his mom's best friend. Now, to add another layer of irony... Onto this story. Just when you thought, this couldn't sound like it's come out of a coked up writer's room anymore. The name, the mascot of BYU, Brigham Young University, where Zach Wilson was drafted out of, is the Cougars. (laughs) Is the Cougars. So it's no surprise here, Zach's been team Cougar all along. And that is where we're at now. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Football and the Beautiful.
0: Wow, I can't believe what I just witnessed and listened to him, <laughs> and my headphones are. Right I can't mind. believe was... what I've read. I can't <laughs> believe this.
1: This is insane.
0: Oh, that was spectacular. Yes, if you didn't, if you yeah. didn't understand, a quick wrap up. Uh, Zach Wilson, best mate, now dating his girlfriend. Because Zach Wilson may have slammed the mum of the best friend. You couldn't.
1: No, no, he's his, oh, his, friend. his mum's best friend. Oh, the mum's
0: best friend. His mum's best friend. There you go.
1: You could so not only is he pissed off his girlfriend and his ex best friend, but he's also probably pissed off his mum by sleeping <sighs> with her best friend. And the best friend's definitely no longer his mum's best friend oh. because she's gonna be her daughter in law. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, what a what a New York Jet situation, eh? Gosh. Yeah. Uh I think, I think we finished with that because that was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to our, what was it, Bold and the Beautiful with Hughesy yeah. Storytells. The, foot,
1: the, the football and the beautiful.
0: The football and the beautiful with Husey. Uh yeah. It's been <laughs> some sort of a finish to an episode. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining our ultra-talented uh, <laughs> Mr. Hughesy, who, yeah. uh, A, should be on... Uh, A Fox News analyst should be with Progressive Insurance and should be writing for Football and the Beautiful. (laughs) A
1: Swiss army knife, a man of many many talents.
0: Oh, oh, there he is. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week to wrap up the Deciders in International Footy, talk about origin, and keep you up to date with the scandals going on in Football and the Beautiful. See you later.
1: Peace, and don't sleep with your mum's best friend.